0: And tonight I am continuing my series on prayer. Uh, The prayer tonight, or the title tonight is The Prayer of a Righteous Person. And speaking of prayer, those are the wrong scriptures though, so I hope that's not what's on the... Tracy? Maybe she left me. I'll just see if that's what's on the... Okay, good, she got the right ones there. Just the wrong ones on the title page. Um, But if you notice, there was a few people that had to get up and leave, that's because Amber Childs needs to go to the hospital. And so I just want to pray for her um, before we begin. So if you'd pray with me, Father in heaven, we, we lift up to you our sister, Amber. And we know she's struggling with a lot of things. And we know that you are the almighty one and you are the great healer. And so we ask you to have mercy and to heal uh, to give to give her hope and life and joy and health to restore to make new be with the doctors be with whatever the situation is we just ask that you that you have mercy god so we pray these things in your name jesus amen well i wasn't actually planning on talking about this tonight but as i was working on what i was planning to say i thought you know this is I got to put this i got to rearrange the order um, <clears throat> because the truth is, as I have been reading about prayer, thinking about prayer, talking about prayer i 've come to this conclusion: the greatest variable in prayer is the pray er the pray er you know I thought it was very interesting last week that and i didn 't actually tell you this, but the two parables we looked at last week, those are the only two stories Jesus ever told about praying. He modeled praying. He told us to pray. He even gave us, you know, he, he gave us the words, don't pray like the hypocrites, don't do it for show, don't babble on like pagans, God already knows what you need. But when he gave the, the longest teaching on how we should pray, it was those two stories last week about being relentless, about not giving up. About being annoying, one lady called me and she said, am I kind of supposed to nag when I pray? Because that's what those stories sounded like. I'm like, well, uh, you can nag like a guy banging on the door at midnight, I guess, because that's what Jesus told us to do. But who you are is the greatest variable. So in the book of James, James writes, and this is James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was not a believer in Jesus until after his resurrection when Jesus appeared to him. And from that time on, James was one of the pillars of the church. And James wrote this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And again, going back to the first week when I said you can't put the prayer in a box and you can't put prayer in a box... I believe that singing is just as much praying as praying is praying. And I believe communing is praying. There's all these different aspects of of praying. It's sort of like in a, in a marriage, you don't say, okay, now we're only married when we go out on dates. It's like, no, you're married when you're at work and she's visiting her mom. And you're married when you're sleeping and she's up doing the dishes. Thank you, Janina. <laughs> That's me. She does... It's magic. I just leave dishes on the counter and the next day, poof, they're clean. I don't know how that happens. But we're married all the time. We're not just married when we're having fun. We're married when we're angry. We're married when we're not getting along. Well, prayer, I know that's it's a terrible analogy, but I hope you pick up when I'm laying down. Prayer isn't just the act of, and God be with and it's it's all of these things. So James says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Now, if you are sick, listen to this. This isn't done very often. And I think the fact that we don't do it very often is evidence that we don't really have faith. If is anyone among you sick, here's what they are to do. Let him call for the elders of the church. Often, church leaders will go to a sick person, That's not what James says. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Now, This has been used to explain why Catholics have confession. That's not really the idea. The idea is more when you sin against someone, confess it. And we are not good at that. Because we tend to sin against someone and then give like a fake apology. You know, the husband and wife example. The wife will do something snappy or snarly and she'll make pot roast. And he's supposed to know this means I'm sorry. Or he will act like himself and be, that's just what happens. And then he'll buy her like chocolate. Like that's not an apology. That's not confessing your sins. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Can you, I mean, I was thinking about this. Can you imagine in a marriage, just using that where this has never happened before, but I'm sure someday it will, Joe will do something to Dana. Dana. He will mistreat her in some way. Can you imagine if then Joe says, Dana, I need to confess my sins to you. And he confesses what he has done. She already knows it. I mean, she's not hearing anything new. This confession is for him and for her because it, and then if he says, would you pray for me? And she prays for him and he prays for her. Now imagine that in all of the church relationships where two guys in a board meeting have, you know, and then they say, Hey, you know what? I need to I need to confess my sins. Will you pray for me? And this goes, two ladies arguing about what potato salad to bring to the That was very that was demeaning, wasn't it? I confess my sin of demeaning. Well, I don't know why I thought of potato salad when it came to women. I get no. I put men in a board meeting and women in, but uh. I'm. She makes better than I do. I just want to apologize for that. I didn't mean anything derogatory. Um, well, you see what I'm saying, Rita? Like, where? Do, how did my brain go there? Whew. Who's who's checking this stuff before I say it? <clears throat> so anyway, we're going to move right on. I've confessed. Please forgive me and pray for me. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So we pray for one another, we confess, and there's healing. And then he says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. It has great power. And here's the the rub, as Shakespeare said. Are we righteous people? And then he uses this illustration. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So this morning, my wife and I are reading these because she's like, what are you preaching on? And we go over the scriptures and she says what I thought and what you probably thought. Yeah, but Elijah isn't like me or I'm not like Elijah. Yes, yes, but he was like you. He had a nature like yours. So I, as I shared with you before, I was not blessed with the greatest athletic ability. I mean, I was, you know, I was okay. When I was a kid playing football, I thought I was going to grow up to be quarterback in the NFL. I found out that's really hard to do at five foot ten, where you can only throw the ball about 40 yards at, at, at the max. But I certainly could have done more with the athletic ability that I was given. And Patrick Mahomes, he's a freak of nature, but he also has worked and worked and worked and worked. And I can pretty much promise you that if I was born with his athletic ability, I would have zero Super Bowls because I would not have worked with that, with those natural abilities. And if he was born with my natural abilities, knowing his work ethic when it comes to sports, he probably wouldn't have won Super Bowls, but maybe a couple high school championships. Because we have worked what we have differently. And you aren't Elijah. But that doesn't mean you can't work to be that. That doesn't mean you can't give and sacrifice, and become. And that's really what I'm talking about tonight. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And a lot of times people, when they use prayer, they like to use Jesus as the role model. I'm glad that James didn't use Jesus. Because when we use Jesus, we always have this excuse. Yeah, but he's also God. Okay, well, Elijah, not God. He's a man with a nature Like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. And he was a man like us. So the first thing is we need to stop sinning. And I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I just mean we really have. We've just kind of accepted sin. In fact, part of it is what the church has taught us. The, The church has taught salvation by faith through grace. That is true. By grace through faith. That is true. But then it's kind of added this idea, and what you do doesn't really matter. We are saved by Grace, not by works. Truth, you cannot do enough good work to save you. But that doesn't mean that your morality doesn't matter, which is sometimes the message that that creeps in. We're just like, well, you know, I'm a sinner. That's what I am. I'm fallen. It's life on earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do better. Now, I don't, I'm don't. i not trying to scold you with do better. That's what Paul is telling us. We have the Spirit. So we are to follow the Spirit, and we are to live by the Spirit. So in the book of Proverbs, and there's so many scriptures I could have chose, but for the sake of time, I'm just picking one. Tonight, I could have had m- several messages, but because I can't wait to get to the Easter series, I'm only going to talk about this one more week for now. So I just picked one verse. Here it is. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And there are so many others. They talk about God turns his face away. He, he won't listen. If a husband mistreats his wife, it will hinder his prayers. There's all these passages. So the first thing is, we have to become serious with sin. And it's really a lot easier than I think. In, in Bible study on Thursday, Diane Newman asked a very good question. How do you do that? And I'm just like, well... If, you, if someone else came to you with a problem, you would give them really good life advice. Give yourself that advice. Like if someone came to you with, with a real problem, let's, we, we use an example, well, I'm not even going to, I'm just going to let it be. I'm done. We're moving on. No, actually, I'll say one more thing. Because later that day, I met with Gary, and I shared a little bit about what we were talking to with Gary. And Gary said, yeah. I mean, Jesus said, if your right hand caused you to sin, cut it off. Like, yeah, that's... Now, he's not literally saying cut your hand off because Jesus also knows that sin comes from the heart. What he is saying is, whatever steps you have to take, however drastic it is to overcome it, then overcome it. Figure it out. Don't... And, I mean, imagine, imagine it's your kid, and your kid has some problem... And they keep struggling. And in your mind, you're like, this is so simple. Here's what you need to do. Well, talk like that to you. Tell yourself, this is how easy it is. This is what you have to do. Anyway, then we move on to this. This I actually think might be a bigger thing. It's being productive. Jesus tells this parable. Oh man, I gave her the wrong verses. Okay, I skipped a couple. I'm just going to tell you what it says. Jesus says, so the kingdom of heaven is like this. A man's going on a long journey. So he calls together his servants. And to one, there were three of them, he gave five talents. Or other translations say bags of gold. A talent is a mountain of money. But one of them gets five. Another one gets two. And a third one gets one. And you say, how did he decide who to give five, who to give two, and who to give one? Very simple each according to his ability. The guy who couldn't handle five talents, he just gave him one. The guy who could handle two, but not five, but more than one, he gave two. You get what I'm saying. He didn't give a, a race car to a child and say, go win. To one, he gave five talents. To another two, to another one, to e- to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He would receive the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. He's got ten. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. He's got four, but they both doubled. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five more. His master said to him, well done. Now pay attention to these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. They both were told the exact same thing. They both were told, Well done, good and faithful servants. How many of you, and you can raise your hand if you want to, Want at the end of your life, when you cross the Jordan, as they say, you want to hear Jesus say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. Yeah. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow. "'and gathering where you scattered no seed. "'So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. "'Here you have what is yours.' "'But his master answered him, "'You wicked and slothful servant. "'You knew that I reap where I have not sown "'and gather where I scatter no seed.' Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast away that worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I've been thinking about this parable a lot the last month. I heard a guy talk about it. And I'm like, whew, yeah. I, I've always liked it. I mean, I, I, I really love the to him who has shall more be given part because the idea, well, no, the idea is You can take what you have. So you take two people, you put them in exact same house because that's what happens in neighborhoods. They build the exact same house. Just many, many times you put them in the exact same house and one of them cherishes it and they care for it and they love it. And they're putting little shrubs outside and they're, you know, little gardens and they're building fences and they're, whatever they're doing. And, and they're like, oh, this is our dream house. We love this house. This is, I just want to live here forever. And there's another family, and they're like, stupid house. I wanted that other one. Couldn't afford it. Didn't have enough money. Mom and dad won't help me. And they treat their house with contempt. In 20 years, what will the house treated with contempt look like? And in 20 years, what will the house that is cherished look Look like they had the same house, but one of them had they they loved they they valued the others didn 't care and that's that 's the big principle that he 's telling us to him who has shall more be given you have a marriage, and it 's rough and it 's rocky, but if you say no this this I, I see the potential here, we can make this flourish, or it 's like ah uh, t- this. Wish I was, oh, should have married that other girl in college. What's going to happen? Or you get a job and you're like, I'm just going to work so hard. I'm going to serve my boss. I'm going to, or you get a job. It's like, oh, Burger King. I'm so much better than that. Can't believe IBM didn't hire me as CEO. <laughs> What's going to happen? But there's a, another principle And this is actually what Jesus was trying to teach us, is that we are his servants, and he has gone away. And we are responsible to be productive. And we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But if you do the work of the wicked and slothful servant, you do not get to hear what the faithful servant's heard. And I'm like, whoo, thinking about this. Cause I'm thinking I've been given a lot. I have, I have three churches that God has, has given to me and I'm not, they're not mine, but you understand I'm responsible for them. And then I started thinking about you because you are the church. And I realized it's my responsibility to let you know, you better be using your gifts and talents because Getting to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, doesn't just happen. You have to work it. You have to figure out how to be productive. And I've told this story in several settings. And one lady said to me, I don't even have any gifts and talents. And I'm like, well, if you don't even know you have them, clearly they're buried. You, if you don't even know, and I know a lot of you would say, I don't know what I you, you start thinking. Just think about what has God given me? What can I do? What am I good at? What do I I like? What relationships has God given me? What people are in my sphere of influence? How can I take the little I have, the one talent or the two talents or the five talents? How can I take that and, and multiply it? How can I make more of it? So I've been thinking, I mean, this is, you know, letting you into my brain as I try to make, well, okay, we don't have a lot of time. I'm just going to take a couple more minutes. So I've been thinking about goals and strategies because the guy also said, we all have goals. You may not think that you have goals, but you have goals. So take a look at what you do and you can sort of figure out what your goals are by what you do. Many times... Our big goals are very inconsistent with the strategies we go about to make those goals happen. So I was joking with my mom, and we were talking about all this, and I said, I mean, you know, most of us, truthfully, our goal is to do as little as possible, as seldom as possible, and sit on the couch as much as possible. <laughs> now, you, you, don't, well, you don't ever find that no one ever has a mission statement. <laughs> Here's my life mission statement to do as little as possible, as often as possible, and sit on the couch a lot. But if you look at what we actually do, if you look at what we really produce, you're like, hmm, not overly, not overly productive. And so I've been thinking, like, each decision I make, okay, not all of them, but as often, I think. Is this the decision that would allow me to hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Or is this the decision that would hear, You wicked, lazy servant. Because we're his servants. And I know, we did a whole series on being kingdoms of priests. We're we're his priests. We're his, we're his, we're his, we're his. They were his servants. And so my wife, when we're reading this today, she said, why would he do that? I said, well, because he doesn't care. Because he knows that, I mean, the guy who had the five talents, guess how many he got to keep? None. He gave 10 back. It was like, why would I do all that work to turn five into 10 if I get nothing? So the guy who had one, he's like, I got a lot more fun sitting on the couch, man. I'll just bury it. But she said, yeah, but he was his servant. I'm like, I, you don't have to convince me of that. I know. She's like, but, but he's taking care of him. He's, he's given him a place to live. He's given him, he's his servant. Yes. She said, oh, but God gives us food and he gives us air, and he gives us a place to live. I'm like, yes, you're his. You are his. You're his. And if we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and you say, well, connect us back to prayer. Thank you, I thought you wouldn't ask, because this is how it all comes together. I find that we are most effective in our praying if we are working toward what we are praying So if you are praying for your neighbor to know Jesus, that will be enhanced greatly if you are working in that direction. If you want your business to be blessed, that prayer will be enhanced if you are working to see that it grows. If you are working, and here's what I suggest, and we can talk about this another time. Figure out What do you really want your life to look like? And I don't mean like vacationing in Hawaii, playing golf every day. I mean your real life. Like, what what do you want to bring to Jesus so that he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And then figure out what long-term goals you need to work on to get to that place. And then figure out what short-term goals you need to meet. And then figure out daily strategies. Okay, here's what: if I want my neighbor to know Jesus, I'm probably going to have to learn his name. (laughs) I'll start there. Okay, if I want to talk to my neighbor about Jesus, I'm probably going to have to build a relationship with him. Okay, if I want to be a a Bible study teacher, I'm probably going to need to read the Bible. You you see what I'm saying? So, because may we all—and I mean this—because here's the other thing. I know I said I'm done. I'm gonna. This is my last thing. If you don't hear, well done, good and faithful servant, there's a pretty good chance I won't. Because it's my job to help you become all that God created you to be. Let's pray. Father, help us. And help us to be like Elijah. And I know he was a man like us. He was a man like us. And he took what you gave him and he multiplied it. So help us. Help us not to be cowards or quitters. Help us not to give up. Help us to run the race and to fight the fight. Help us. In your name, Jesus, for your kingdom and your glory, we pray, amen.